Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. Welcome today to Judy Weeder. So, this is the first in a series of six episodes we're going to do around what we're calling CX priorities. And this is this has come from uh, the, the product pivot we did at Forrester last year, uh, over the course of the last couple of years, where we've moved to our new model called Forrester Decisions. And what Forrester Decisions is about is solving practitioner problems. And the way we did this is we went out to market and we talked to dozens of CX leaders around the world, people like yourselves listening, and we asked them, what's keeping you awake at night? What are you working on? What do you need to know? What problems are you trying to solve? And what they told us was these six things. And the first of these things, or is it the first? Let's find out, was establish, fund, and scale your team. And this is where Judy comes in. So Judy, like, is this the first thing? Is this the first priority? It is. And the reason is because you got to start somewhere. So if you think of all the different other priorities that we have that are covering everything from embedding insights into your organization and designing great experiences that drive loyalty and measuring CX performance and proving ROI and, and the others, there, there are six. Um, it is, it's something where you have to begin somewhere that focuses your attention on the things that you need to get done and helps you understand what is my CX function going to look like? What does it need to do? How is it going to bring value back to the business? And so that's all about that establish, fund, and then scale, because ultimately you don't want your CX function to just sort of sit in a little corner and only do a couple of things. You, you want to sort of get to the point where you rule the world, where you're part of the business strategy and how the business makes decisions or how, if you're saying government, how the agency, how the organization makes decisions that are in support of your customers as well as what the business's goals are because they don't have to be in conflict. Okay, so the CX function, yes, I would like to rule the world. You've really hit on something <laughs> deep inside of me. Is this CX management? Is this what we're talking about? Are we managing CX from this function? Is it the customer insights team? Is it both, neither? Uh, it's a bit of everything. So I think this also goes to the idea that there's sort of one CX function, one way to do CX. CX teams take lots of different shapes and sizes. And so we actually did research at the beginning of the year to understand what CX teams looked like. And we found that in general, they ranged from say like five to 10 people. And they tended to report now and looking at this global study, which was CX leaders from around the world, over 700 people responded to this study. And, and what we saw was that they aren't just sort of sitting in some little corner. CX is growing up. And so in some cases that CX leader is reporting to a chief experience officer or to the chief executive officer, or maybe to a chief digital officer. The CMO is still on there. We haven't lost our love for CMOs, but they're not the number one that people are reporting to because the CX team is growing in importance in the organization. And depending upon how the organization functions, it may be aligned to customer or consumer insights. It may be aligned to marketing. It may be aligned to a central research function. There are lots of different places it could be aligned to. But the key piece is that regardless of where it is, it has to be able to influence the direction of the organization. And so that's where I'm extremely passionate about the role of the ROI of CX and being able to demonstrate that and describe it. Because if you can't do that, 
it will hold you back from your ambitions. You won't be able to progress because you're then living off of the goodwill of people in the organization who say, yes, 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 CX is important. Yes, we care about the customer. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to pay someone's salary with a CSAT or an NPS. So you have to be able to prove the value to the business. So wherever you are, however you're organized, if you're not doing that, then you are limiting your ambition tremendously. So there's kind of implication in that, that these, the teams, they start from different places, right? So they might be a customer compliance handling team, they might be a design team. They're starting with very different skills, but there's an overarching competency they need, which is influencing the organization and moving the CX strategy forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it can grow from lots of different places. So we are talking, you know, going back to Angelina's original question, yes, when we're talking about scaling the CX function, it's often about the CX management. But the strategy is not separate and distinct from that. Strategy is a key component of that. Governance is a key component of that. Um, prioritization. And so wherever that begins from, you may grow out of that. But ultimately, the CX programs that we see that are the most influential are the ones that sit at an enterprise level or that are connected in at the top line of the organization and can see down into the other silos. They aren't finding that their view or their vision is limited by where they sit in the organization. And so this is all about getting that right executive sponsorship. If you're not already sitting at the, the table with the executives, having someone there who will speak about CX the way that you would if you were in the room when the C-suite meets. So we've called this very deliberately, establish fund and scale. And there's an order to those words. Does that imply there's a process or an order we do things in here or like a methodology behind this? Yeah, so where I recommend starting is by taking your brand vision and reviewing it to see from that external viewpoint that you've expressed to the marketplace of who you want to be and then looking at your chosen expression of customer obsession. What is your CX vision? How are you going to bring that expression of customer obsession to life for your customers. Who do you want to be for them? How do you want to show up for them? And so that CX vision is the, the linchpin. It is like the single most important thing that you can establish. And I know that people kind of get a funny look on their face when you say like, oh, you need a vision statement because they think, ah, that's just the fluffy stuff. I don't want a statement. I don't need a statement. But you do because if you don't have something that important, what happens instead is it's like if you agreed amongst yourselves and your colleagues that you're all going to go to the city and everybody says, yes, we're going to go to the city. Well, I don't know about all the people who are listening to this podcast, but if I were to say, I'm going to go to the city and I'm on a teams with my team, for some people, that means I'm going to go to Sydney, Australia. For some, that means I'm going to hang in Singapore. For some, that means I'm going to be hanging out in Zurich or Amsterdam or London, or Cambridge, Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts, or San Francisco, right? Like, we're all going to a city, technically, it's all correct, but it's wrong, because we're not going to the same place. So the vision establishes that direction. And it tells people how to get there, where they need to go, what they need to do about that, the behaviors. And then the strategy is how are we going to get there? Some people may take a bus, some people may take a train, some people may take a plane or drive or walk or bike or whatever. 
But if you don't have that vision, then how do you know what goes into your strategy? How do you know who you want to be for your customers? And the customer experience strategy, that, that second component that you need, is based on your CX vision and your business strategy. And ultimately, it's how you're going to bring that CX vision to life in support of your business goals, in support of your business objectives, because that's what establishes CX as part of how the business does the things it needs to do versus a thing that's off to the side and separate. Now, that said, there are some very sort of CX-related things that the rest of the organization may care less about until there's an output. So a CX leader may say, well, I need a voice of the customer platform. Okay, cool. You need to buy a voice of the customer platform. But you're buying a voice of the customer platform because you're trying to get feedback and insights that you can bring back into the organization that will drive product innovation, that will help you design better service experiences, that will help you understand what your customers' needs are. So that's all in support of what the business is trying to do. So it's a matter of kind of understanding what's the vision, who do we want to be for our customers, how do we want to show up for them, then the strategy, which is that pairing of the CX vision with the business strategy. And then from there, you have other pieces, right? Like your prioritization. How are you going to decide the ordering of things? And so your prioritization needs to happen alongside your CX strategy so that it can inform the CX strategy. How do you want to decide on the things that are going to go into that strategy and all the other things that you need to get done? Thinking about, at a minimum, business impact and customer impact. So the customer's not left behind and it's not the only thing you consider. And then from there we get into governance, which is where you get the alignment and then, and then, and then, and we sort of continue on. So those foundational elements, if you don't have that vision, you're all going to different cities is what's going to happen. And that leads to the inconsistency that really destroys the ability to say that you're working on customer experience because customer experience then doesn't mean anything, right? Like if everybody has a different idea of what customer experience should be, then one person may be delivering a really great experience and think that they're doing awesome and someone else may be delivering a lesser customer experience and think that they're also doing awesome because you haven't aligned everyone on the same definition of where you're trying to go. So that CX vision is, is foundational, it's critical, it's super important, it's not just words on a piece of paper and then it drives all the other components that come after like your strategy, your prioritization, your governance, all of it. Some of the barriers to funding and scaling the CX function, I'll throw one out there and then you tell me whether you've seen it and what others you may have seen. But you mentioned getting ROI, the ability to prove the CX function's worth in the first place, or even that we should be having a transformation or getting away from the low-hanging fruit and actually doing a transformation. Have you seen that? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it's also important that we we don't sort of set people up to fail with the notion that a customer experience program only brings value if it yields like a million euros in savings or if it brings in like a hundred million dollars in revenue or something like that. It's, it's a matter of understanding that those little wins are also important too. So when we talk about the ROI component, it's really critical to think in terms of the three key business levers. And Maxie Schmidt and I have written about this for the last couple of years. So there are three things that you can point to that your CEO cares about. And this is why you need to think about it this way. It's because the people who hold the purse strings, this is what they care about. So you're either going to be increasing the organization's revenue, reducing its costs, or improving its resilience. 
So from a revenue standpoint, it could be something like we were able to sell more units of the thing, more widgets, more services, whatever, because we made the experience better or made the experience so good that they wanted to buy more and other people wanted to buy this as well. It also may mean that you can charge more money for that. So if we think about the devotees, they're willing to pay more money for the same products and services because they feel that they're that good. So improving the revenue, increasing the revenue is super important. That's, that's one good avenue. And these are not mutually exclusive, so if you can get more than one, awesome. Lowering costs. I talked to a lot of folks who work in contact centers, and I was actually just on the phone with one earlier today who was talking about this great thing that they were doing, and they were reducing the cost. They were improving the efficiency of their firm by finding a way to be able to resolve their customers' issues faster, which meant that they could actually take more transactions with the same or only a slightly increased number of people. And they were doing this greater volume, which means greater efficiency. Cost per call, cost per transaction goes down. When that's happening, you're serving your customers easily as well, if not better, but you're doing it with either the same number of employees, maybe fewer employees, maybe only a smaller number more, but it's more efficient. You're spending less money to do more work. So cost savings, we love those. Then we get to improved resilience. So now this is one that we had initially cast as risk, but resilience includes risk and it talks about future proofing. So this is where you start to blend in the EX component, like how are you improving customer experience by thinking about empowerment, thinking about the ways that you're enabling your employees, because when you're empowering and enabling and inspiring them, they are far less likely to, to leave, to attrit. And when they're not leaving, then you're more likely to be able to have that more stable platform of experience across the board. So it's things like that looking into sustainability, looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion, the things that improve your ability to serve your customers now and in the future that then bring dividends back to the firm, whether it's about meeting a strategic goal or objective that the company has established, or whether it's about setting a platform for the future that will enable you to do great things farther down the line. Customer experience can do all those things. And so when you're painting the thing you want to do, I want to establish this program because I think it's going to help us retain more customers, or I think it's going to help us bring in more money, or I think it's going to help us set the firm up to be able to do these great future things. When you're aligning to the things the business wants to do, like I said earlier, customer experience is then part of how the business is doing its business, as opposed to the separate thing off to the side. It's when customer experience gets othered and shoved into the corner that it is far easier to write it off. So if you want to establish it, you need to establish it from a place of power, just as any other part of the organization that gets spun up. If you spin up a new product, there's always, well, we believe that we could sell into this market. This is the potential. Same thing with customer experience. We need to talk like people who got MBAs as well. And then to be able to fund it, you need to be able to prove that there's value there. And then to scale it, you need to be able to demonstrate results. So establish fund and scale is a very specific order because you need to start from somewhere. You need to make sure you can get that money so that you can do the thing. And then you need to continue to grow because as you grow, your firm sees benefits. So it's a win-win, but you, you have to set it up right from the beginning. So we've, we've created a vision. We've created a shared vision that we've got people bought into. We've attached what we're actually doing, the activities, the processes, the governance to business outcomes, as you described. 
you know the killer question everyone wants to know the answer to. You know the next thing that's going to come, which is what should my organization structure be? What's the answer to that? I love that question. <laughs> the answer is there's no one right answer. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the ultimate answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, there are many ways to organize a CX function. And it comes back primarily to what do you want to do as an organization? What are the things you're trying to accomplish? What is your CX function supposed to be helping you with? That will help you determine what you need. So if we think about, say, the strategy, if your CX strategy says that you're going to pull insights into the business and you're going to establish a voice of the customer program that will help you generate some of those insights and you're going to have a research team that does research and you're going to have designers that are going to be doing um, experience design or service design. Okay, so now we've already started to define some of the people that we need in the organization. You're going to need to have some strategists. You're going to need to have somebody who's responsible for your VOC, so probably VOC manager, VOC analysts. You're going to need service designers, maybe some UX designers. But that's one company's strategy. Another organization may say, well, really, we're trying to do consulting and we're going to establish a center of excellence and then the rest of it is just going to be consultants that can go into the business and help them. Okay, so you're going to need some people who are going to be able to design the frameworks and the structures, people who are going to help centralize the data and the resources and the insights. You're going to need consultants who can go out into the organization. You may even need some people who can do facilitation, facilitation of exercises, people who can train others, right? So you start to define based upon the things you want to do what you need. It's almost akin to like when someone says, well, I, I want to bake a cake. And then they say, so what do I need for my cake? Well, what kind of cake do you want? If you want a chocolate mocha cake, then you're going to need some, probably some espresso powder and you're going to need flour and butter and sugar and eggs and chocolate. But if you want a strawberry cake, you're not going to need all of those things. You need some of those things, but you're also going to need some other things like fresh strawberries and probably some lemon juice. And so it's a matter of understanding that different structures will fit different needs. And you have to begin with what are you trying to accomplish? And then you can identify people. Now, you may have to go the other way around. You may start from, listen, I'm, I'm starting scrappy. I've got like one person who can help me with my surveys. And then maybe one other person who's a service designer. Okay, so then that limits what you can do for now. What can you pilot with those people? prove the value of what your team can do to then create the justification for more people to do the additional things you want to do. And that's kind of like going back to the cake metaphor. That's the thing that we all do at least once a week where you open the fridge and you're like, what do I have in here that I can make a meal from? That's, that's sort of how that one works. Right. And to beat the cake metaphor to death, there's also just these allergic reactions to terms like center of excellence I think we get questions where folks are really hung up on, well, we can't have a center of excellence. We already have that. It means this or it didn't work. The words don't really matter. It's the actions that matter. Where can you go and how can you set yourselves up to take action is probably what is most important. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you do know that people are going to have an allergic reaction to specific words or, well, we're very decentralized, so we wouldn't want to have a central function that's really big okay, then don't build a central function that's really big. Build a central function that's really small, that's a mirror image or that's a similar version of what you see other smaller central functions doing. 
So you have an organization, like I can think of a financial services firm that I've done work with that is incredibly siloed. Each of their lines of business is almost like its own separate fiefdom. And so they have their own distinct marketing and sales and product. And you wouldn't want to have one central CX team that's ginormous. You want to have a smaller CX team that can be like the hub. And then there are all of these smaller spokes that are within each of the different other parts of the organization. And that may be where, you know, even those spokes may be a lot more boots on the ground. This is where, say, a, um, a champion's function or champion's network could come into play, right? So the structure of your team is highly dependent on the things that you want to do and how your organization typically operates. And you need to be hyper aware of the things that will cause those allergic reactions. Because when you inadvertently step into one of those little pits, you might fall right in. And so you, you want to try and avoid those traps. Maybe talk to the people who are running those other smaller central functions and ask them, so what are the words I'm allowed to use? And then focus on that. There's a couple of things in there. And it's hard to summarize, but I think you've kind of nailed it in terms of aligning your CX function and how you grow it, how you scale it to what your business is actually doing. And if that's the, the one key message you take away from this, it's there's no one size fits all answer. You've got to think about your business, think about how you align to that business and think about how you drive that collective vision. So thank you for Judy for sharing some insights around the first of our priorities, establish, fund and scale your CX function. Thank you also to producer Ellie. None of this would happen without you. And thank you as always to my co-host Angelina. Thank you, Martin. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com. Message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. And as always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like, to subscribe, and tune in next time for our next CX Priority.